KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is the Rundown, Philadelphia's local news podcast for Thursday, January 6th, 2022. I'm Jay Scott Smith here with Brian Seltzer and Sabrina Boyd Circa. And it seems like winter has finally decided to make its presence felt this week. Now, South Jersey and Delaware got absolutely smashed by snow on Monday. While not so much here in the city of Philadelphia, but now later on tonight, that's probably going to change. And the Philadelphia School District has already announced that all schools are going to be virtual tomorrow. Brian and Sabrina, I'm going to ask you a simple question. How do you all feel about snow? Yeah, I love the snow. Bring on the snow. I love seeing it. It comes but a few times a year. So I will take the hardship of shoveling and de-icing and all that stuff. And I say, bring it on. Brian, you've clearly never gotten shut in in Boston for days because of a snowstorm. Because I lived through that. Jay, I'm sure you lived through even worse in the Midwest. I like snow for like the first snowfall. But By the second one, I'm over it, especially in the city. Might be different if I lived in the suburbs with a backyard to sled and build snowmen in. But right now I'm like, no, I don't want any of that slush, icy roads, none of that. And while the weather outside is frightful, we turn to our friend, NBC10 meteorologist Steve Sosna. He joins us a little bit later on on the show today to talk about the snow coming, how he predicts winter storms are going to look like, what the rest of winter would look like. And those two words that a lot of people are really talking about these days, climate change, and how that is also affecting a lot of things that are not just happening in the winter, but in our everyday lives. But first, let's get to a rundown of today's headlines. And we start today by continuing with the fallout from that awful fatal fire that occurred in Fairmount yesterday. The death count is officially 12. It was at first thought to be 13, but it is now 12 total people. Unfortunately, we initially thought there were seven children who died in the fire. That number actually went up to eight. Now, KYW's Tim Jimenez kind of paints a pretty grim picture of the morning after for us here. Philly fire officials were back at the burn duplex here at 23rd and Ogden, and now they're getting help from the ATF's national response team. This is a group of investigators that is sent out to major incidents around the country. And at the end of the block here, there is a small memorial made up of flowers, a teddy bear, and a few unlit candles. Last night, there was a police procession to transport the bodies of the 12 victims to the medical examiner's office. These were Jaquita Purifoy's sisters and her nieces and nephews. They was relevant. They was somebody who you know, was supposed to continue life and die on an old age, not from, you know, stuff that could have been avoided. If just, just only if. Now we've seen pictures of these kids. They were all, most of them were youngsters. A couple of them were teenagers. It's just awful. And the next day, it's just kind of stunning. The amount of just death that came from a fire in a row house. We're still trying to get questions answered and things figured out, but this was just a really, really tough day and a really, really tough story here in the city of Philadelphia. I don't think there's any point in parsing through different levels of bad or sadness when it comes to tragic stories, but one thing that is sticking with me with this one is that this is an entire family. These aren't 12 individual scattered lives, and of course there's eight kids involved, but this is one family that, if I put myself which I can't, in their position. Like, trying to reconcile the loss of one life in a family would be unimaginable enough, but it's one family. And to me, that is that is one of the most uh, heartbreaking parts of a terrible, terrible story. 
it's just tragic and I don't I don't even have words to react to it anymore because we we went through this yesterday and unfortunately it doesn't change it still happened you know and nothing has changed overnight in, in regards to that fact but we've been covering this from a bunch of different angles and I really appreciate the KYW reporters who have stuff up on our website about talking to the families talking to firefighters who were there we're looking into where you can donate and what you can do to help out these families so as always KYWnewsradio.com. We're going to be staying up to date on this as long as we need to. You know, this might sound sappy or a little campy, but it's it's part of the way that I try to live my life is when you see or hear about tragedy, how could you apply it to the way that you go about things? And is there anything that you can take from it? Um, and, and listen, if one thing that people out there who live in Philadelphia can do is to be more up to speed on fire safety, it is literally as simple as getting the 311 app or calling 311 and Philadelphia will provide you with free fire alarms, fire detectors, and they will even come and deliver them to your doorstep. So vigilance on that and just trying to think of ways to prevent something like this from happening in the future. And yes, as he mentioned, we're going to continue to cover this, of course, on KW News Radio. So be sure to listen on 1039 FM, 1060 AM, or find more information on our website, kwnewsradio.com. And as mentioned at the start, today is January 6th. It's the one year anniversary of the Capitol insurrection. And one year ago, I was one of the people who was on air as things really got going down in D.C. And We're going to check out a little part of what it sounded like one year ago today when, just let's be real, all hell broke loose down at the Capitol. All eyes on the U.S. Capitol right now. Let's bring you up to speed on what is happening at this very moment. Congress is in lockdown. Some members of Congress are reportedly being evacuated at this very moment right now. We have pro-President Trump protesters who are on the steps of the Capitol, and we have learned that some of them actually breached the Capitol building, forcing a lockdown. A chaotic scene is unfolding at the U.S. Capitol, where protesters who have been advocating for President Donald Trump have breached the Capitol, interrupting the count of electoral votes in the House and Senate chamber. That whole day was bizarre in the newsroom where I came in that afternoon thinking, okay, there's going to be something that'll happen today. There's probably going to be some protests. People are going to make some noise. A few of the politicians are going to try to do their their whole posturing, but this thing's going to get counted. It's going to go on and Biden's going to be certified. It brings back a lot for me sitting in studio, being a part of a very surreal moment in American history and hearing this. And now one year later, Kamala Harris, who at the time was a U.S. senator, but was also vice president-elect, well, now she's vice president. And here's what she had to say about that day earlier this morning. You know, I wonder, how will January 6th come to be remembered in the years ahead? Will it be remembered as a moment that accelerated the unraveling of the oldest, greatest democracy in the world? Or a moment when we decided to secure and strengthen our democracy for generations to come. And the man who was elected president, he spoke this morning as well in probably the most pointed terms we've heard since he took office. And so at this moment, we must decide 
What kind of nation are we going to be? Are we going to be a nation that accepts political violence as a norm? Are we going to be a nation where we allow partisan election officials to overturn the legally expressed will of the people? Are we going to be a nation that lives not by the light of the truth, but in the shadow of lies? We cannot allow ourselves to be that kind of nation. The way forward is to recognize the truth and to live by it. That was President Biden. And just what we saw, January 6th now drops right into that same area as September 11th, 2001, as December 7th, 1941. When you go down the list of infamous days in U.S. history, that's there. Whether people who are on certain sides of the aisle want to like it or not, that's an indelible mark on U.S. history. And to just have been on air in front of a microphone, it was heavy. I remember the way I felt when I left here that night. There was nothing like that. Just because it seems like the world's a bit of a dumpster fire right now, we're going to round out this segment with something pretty cool. We've got a whole lot more babies being born out here, people. It's been an absolute baby boom. And we talk about this because at Virtua Health Systems and along the main line, they just saw a record number of births, including from this gentleman, L. Jeff Schaefer, who just had a baby last year. I think it's wonderful that this record-setting amount of births in the virtual hospital system goes to show you that lights can shine bright even in dark places. Now, there were more births. I think it was the number was like 9,000, just something more more on rec- than in recent memory. So we got a whole bunch of new little ones coming in here. And here's Laura Oaks from Virtua Health. Everybody had a lot on their shoulders this year. And for them to come to work and do what they did with a record-setting number of babies, it was a really proud moment. Just hearing a story like that where people are talking about something as simple as we're giving birth to a new kid here, and that makes everybody feel a little bit better. I don't know, Jay. I mean, babies are cute. I'll give you that. I actually put a call out on Twitter yesterday to try to get some uh, baby pictures and puppy pictures to look at to make myself feel better after yesterday. But I, I only want them when I ask for them. And if I see one more baby on my timeline. It is like, that is all it is. That's all there is on my Facebook newsfeed. I'm about to leave Facebook because all of my friends are having babies and I am not there right now. And it's just, it's a lot. Just the line, babies are cute, but. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, you know, I don't, I don't want to play this card, but like maybe there is some, uh, amount that I feel this more as a woman than than you guys do and the pressure of your biological clock is ticking kind of thing. Maybe I'm just in that place in time. That is fair. And 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 Brian has got he's got two little ones. He's 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 in a different position than True. I am. But it, it, that's fair. And speaking of heartwarming, wholesome things appearing on our timelines before we wrap up this portion of the pod, I have to draw our attention to a post that appeared on the timeline of one at J. Scott Smith yesterday, standing up Michigan State Spartans basketball jersey and hat behind the mic, commemorating the start of what has turned out to be a great journey. Tell the people, this is a great post, Jay. Tell the people about it. So yesterday was 17th anniversary of me starting in radio. And I was actually, I, I hosted a hip hop show. I, and that picture is from me standing in front of the microphone 
hosting my Saturday show and to think about where I am now sitting here doing this with you guys and being here in Philadelphia and for 17 years I've been doing this and this is a business that doesn't have a big shelf life at time for people. I like to celebrate that. You should always celebrate your wins no matter where you are. This is me getting on my soapbox. Celebrate your wins that that no matter what you do, I couldn't be more fortunate and I'm damn proud to be where I am now. And it started in a small station in Lansing, Michigan, man. So 17 years is wild to think about. And that influence of your hip hop radio days is very clear when I walk into the studio half the time and you're playing some kind of hip hop music to get yourself hyped up for this, this podcast. And then you're on air show. Oh, absolutely. Your experience is who you are. <laughs> so I don't run from that. In fact, I lean into it. As anybody has noticed, I lean all the way into it sometimes when it comes to these things. So it's a part of who I am, man. And I, uh, Brian, I appreciate you bringing that up. I got a kick out of that because it's cool to reflect on these sort of things. And that, and my first day in radio came in the midst of a winter storm. And we're going to be in the midst of one apparently again here in the city of Philadelphia coming up later on this evening and coming up here on the podcast. We'll welcome in our resident weather genius, NBC 10's Steve Sosna, to help lead us through the winter weather that we are going to be expecting, not just tonight, but also what to expect this winter and what role climate change plays in all this thing. I'm Jay Scott Smith, along with Sabrina boyd Circa and Brian Seltzer, and you're listening to The Rundown. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Jay Scott Smith with Sabrina boyd Circa and Brian Seltzer. And it felt like it took a while, but winter now decided to show up with a vengeance. Now, some areas earlier this week, especially in South Jersey and in Delaware, saw as much as 13 inches of snow, more than a foot of snow. And now more of it is predicted to come into this area tonight. So how bad is this winter season going to be for the entire Philadelphia area? And just how well can storms even be predicted such as these? Well, we figure that we're going to bring in somebody who can predict these things. Our good friend, NBC 10 meteorologist Steve Sosna. Steve, welcome back to the rundown. It's good to talk to you again, my friend. Hey there, Jay. Good to be with you. So first and foremost, what is it looking like for tonight into Friday? And what areas could be getting snow? How much? When will it start? Kind of what are we looking at here? So first off, when people have a storm that is so recent, they like to compare the next storm right away to the last storm. And so, you know, they they think the impacts are going to be similar, that, you know, the disruptions are going to be similar. This is not going to be the same storm system as what we saw Sunday night into Monday. This one looks like it will be a weaker storm system. It may distribute its snowfall over a wider area. So we're looking at, you know, places like in the northern and western suburbs that didn't get a flake of snow with a Sunday night and Monday storm. They may get a coating to an inch of snow. Um, Meanwhile, areas of South Jersey that got pummeled with, you know, over a foot of snow, they could actually get the heavier totals, but we're talking more like four or five inches at the heaviest as opposed to a foot. So those impacts from four to five inches are obviously less. But however, there's one thing here that's really important that people need to remember during these storms. It's when does the snow fall and how intense does it fall in one hour? The snowfall rate is such an important thing. You can get 12 inches of snow over an entire day and have minimal impacts. You can have two to three inches of snow for a storm total, but have it fall during a morning commute and have it be an absolute chaotic mess. And it's because people don't understand. They just go by the final totals in their head 
and they don't realize that it's the rate at which these totals fall, which is what causes the big problems. Well, for me, on, on Monday, for example, we're here in the city. I'm in studio at 3 o'clock. There's nothing. It's just a regular cold day in January. But yet Nina Barati, our reporter who works nightside with us, it looks like she's at the Arctic Circle with all that snow just all yep. over the place. And it's only about a 30-minute difference between the two. It's always interesting to see that. And while there might not be a, like a huge storm tonight like that one, it does come on the heels of what happened on Monday. Could this second hit make things worse along like down the shore and down into Delaware, places like that? Uh, I believe so. And here's why. A lot of the streets are still in sort of a messy condition. And so anything on top of that, plus the weight of that snow, that was a heavy, wet snow. We call that heart attack snow, because if you are not in good shape trying to remove that snow on your own, we see people have heart attacks during that, trying to remove it. So we always encourage them not to remove it themselves. But that weight of the snow was very, very heavy. So you're just going to smack one more weight on top of that. So hopefully there won't be any structural issues. I know in Ocean City, I believe we had some type of roof caving in. That's the kind of things that happen when you get that volume and that weight of the snow. Luckily, this time around, I think the snow is going to be a much more fluffy snow. Um, which is really good not only to remove it, um, but when it all kind of weighs down on things, it's much less. So overall, I don't think the impacts are going to be nearly as extreme, but it's kind of just salt in the wounds right now to these people that literally just cleared all this mess up. They're used to changing the rain all the time, and now all of a sudden they're getting hit by a second storm down there. Jay, you made a really good point about, like, it looked like there was almost nothing here in Philadelphia. Meanwhile, over the river, people were getting pummeled. Steve, I, I wonder, is there something behind that? Like, why are storms like this so hyper-localized? So I'll, I'll kind of tell you the story of this storm. So there were hints of this storm system uh, overperforming in other parts of the country that the models weren't grasping. And this is this is important for meteorologists, the new, the new generation of them. I was taught by the mentors this. Look for signals of the storm system doing things that are way out of character uh, in different parts of the country to get an idea. The key here was in Austin, Texas, they had like 70 and 80 degree weather the first day. It severe thunderstorms. And then the next evening, it was in the 30s with intense thunder and lightning. So that shows us the power of this upper level low. And then areas in Alabama and Mississippi that got havoc by tornado damage on Saturday got seven inches of snow on top of that on the day Sunday. So already you have a storm system that the models aren't capturing how much explosive energy it has. And so it's important when people see on social media these raw uh, model image. That's not a forecast. That's a model image. And the models do the best that they can do, but they're not perfect. They're just simulations of the atmosphere. The forecast comes from us, where we filter out that stuff. And I sent you guys over a sheet, and it shows you what I was looking at with the model information. It was anywhere from 2 to 22 inches. So you have to filter out what it's actually going to be based on your experience. You look for clustering of trends. But what made this so difficult, to answer your question, was dry air rushing in from Canada. And dry air chokes a storm. But it was going to meet a point where it basically didn't, have an impact on the storm. And we knew that would be the Jersey Shore area. So we knew they were going to get the most, and we knew there was going to be the sharp gradient. 
and everybody's putting out these pretty little snowfall maps where the contours are evenly spaced <laughs> out. Oh, one to three, two to four, five to eight. And they're like evenly spaced. That's not how it works. And I went on the air and I said, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It's not pretty. You're going to go from a dusting to six inches and probably less than 15 miles. That's how these storms work. Uh, they don't distribute things evenly. Some places get dumped on. And as we saw, other places get absolutely nothing. Let's just go ahead and pull the curtain back a little bit. People think that meteorologists just get on TV and you're just fed a bunch of numbers. And you and you mentioned there, you just stand in front of some really cool looking maps and everything is evenly layered up like a, like a cake or whatever it is. Kind of help us understand here that yeah. what exactly is a day like for a meteorologist such as yourself or Brittany Schiff or Violetta Yass or Glenn Hurricane Schwartz? What is it like for you guys having to put that sort of thing together along with everything else you're working with in a given day? I'll just give you an example of one shift. So for today, I'm doing the 4, 5, 6, 7, and 11 o'clock shows. So I'm already looking at model data now because as soon as I get in, it's the line of fire. So when I come in, you know, I got to sit down at my desk. I write all the model data down. All of a sudden, you know, a producer's coming over to me. How much snowfall are we getting? Then I get another question from the doc. Which camera? Where are we sending our crews? So I'm getting this as I'm trying to put together the forecast. Then the forecast may be changing a little bit. So I'm analyzing that. And then I'm actually entering that forecast into our weather graphics system. I'm making the graphics ourselves. So not only are we making the forecast, we're making the graphics that go on the air while also giving you guys a radio forecast. We give WURD a radio forecast. Uh, we do recordings for Wawa. Um, and so all this stuff is like kind of pre-taped before the show. Then we're attending two meetings, a two o'clock meeting and a 3.30 meeting, which I do before your 3.33 hit. So I rush that meeting in. I say, got to go radio. Then I'm on with you. And then, you know, it's two hits per half hour for each show, which they want unique content. We, we want our viewers to have valuable information. So we're doing all that. So we're really building everything from the ground up and I'm probably forgetting stuff, but even in between. So like, then that's when I'm updating the web forecast. So for our digital audience, you know, which may not necessarily be near a TV, then you got the social media phone. So you got to do the social media post. It's not the anchor man days of the, uh, you know, the seventies, you know, Ron Burgundy style, <laughs> you just kind of roll in, you go out to dinner. I mean, sure. You have your easier nights where you maybe can take a half hour, 45 minute break, but I'm in there, you know, usually for an evening shift at 1.30, and that's even pushing it. And I'm there till midnight, and there's very little breaks, you know, so we, we got to keep going. So it's, you know, the whole team, we, we try to keep ourselves healthy. Uh, luckily, we love what we do. If, if you didn't love this job, <laughs> you would toss it in the trash can in a second. Um, but we love what we do, so the intensity is worth it. But, you know, the storm days are grueling. How long does it take for you to recover from a big storm shift? That's a good question. So uh, it was by the end of Monday's storm when I was entering snow totals. You're, you're out. I'm like, all right, Sasna out. My brain is my brain is booting <laughs> down. I got to get out of the building. Luckily, yeah, I did. But you know, I slept most of yesterday. Um, I slept the day prior to that. So now I'm feeling rejuvenated, and we got to go into the next storm. But that's how it is. You know, you hit these stormy stretches. We, we were we were having nothing. We had a six six and a half degree above average December. So you know, it was a cakewalk compared to what we were getting. We had severe weather, but, um, you know, it's it's the fact that you hit these stretches and you just got to deal with it. Now, the last few years have really seen kind of a slow change in winter. Like, we haven't had 
in the six years I've been in Philly plus the one year I spent in Jersey, we haven't had like a ton of major hard-hitting snowstorms. We've had Christmas days with temperatures in the 60s, which is very not normal. What have you noticed about the long-term changes in winter weather over the last few years? I've noticed that these storms tend to be all or nothing storms. So either you get a blockbuster storm, which people are first to say, climate change. Well, we're getting 30, 35 inches of snow. How can it be climate change? Well, let me tell you, we never used to get 30 to 35 inch snowstorms because the atmosphere holds more water when it's warm. The climate change allows the atmosphere to behave Uh, what I call on steroids. Everything is just way more intense than it used to be. And so you still can get snowfalls, even though we're having climate change. So everything is very dramatic. But the trend is, is that we're getting these winters that are much more snowless around here. But when you do get these storms, for instance, with our Monday storm down at the shore, you know, you get these whopper snowfall totals. I'm really glad that you explained that because I've always thought, I feel like people are moving more towards saying climate change instead of global warming. And I feel like global warming is is true, but it's misleading because people think like, oh, winters are cold. We can't have global warming. But no, it affects climate change, affects the weather in all these really intricate ways that are not as simple as it's going to be hotter for the rest of forever. Right, right. And so in telling this story, of climate change. You know, it's one thing to say the polar ice caps are melting, the polar bears are falling, which is an extremely tragic, you know, and horrific situation. But people in Philadelphia are thinking about people in Philadelphia. So you have to hit them personally of what's changing. You know, your allergy season is going way longer than it used to be. You're getting mosquito bites into November, which you never used to have. Your first freeze is, you know, Uh, half a month later, if not more, on average. Um, The taste of your beer is going to be different because of the hops, uh, uh, the hops that are grown in the Pacific Northwest because of the fires out there. They're having a smokier flavor. So like we're we're seeing it all over the world, but you have to hit people personally. It's all connected to, to each other. And we're just starting to understand the oceans and the oceans drive the weather. So meteorology has been studied since, you know, 16th, 17th century, and even uh, prior to that. Oceanography, the, the, the modern part of it, has been studied since the 1960s, so the real core science of it. So that's all new. So we're still finding out answers in the ocean that are giving us answers to the weather, which is a really important piece of the puzzle. I think the best example of this is to see the way that the eyes lit up on the Zoom when you mentioned the beer thing and how yeah. that alone. <laughs> yeah, it's personal. It hits different for certain people to hear that because I wouldn't have even thought of that. It's cool to kind of hear that really broken down in that way. All of this still comes back around to the weather patterns that we're seeing. And we always hear that you want to salt the sidewalks, clean off cars. What are some other important ways to prepare for winter weather? What's some of the advice you would give people heading into not just tonight, but the rest of the winter in general? Really pay attention to the details. So of the forecast. So you know, the difference between getting our forecast from, from you guys on KYW News Radio or on NBC 10, we try to communicate to you as a human being. You're not getting that with your weather app. Your weather app isn't telling you, hey, the rate's going to be pretty bad. You know, Monday between 9 and 11, it just has a snowflake. Well, is that <laughs> snowflake heavy or snowflake light? 
Well, it makes a big difference whether you're going to get stuck on I-95 going, you know, south of D.C. and be stuck there overnight and not have any food in your car. So you got to pay attention to the details. That storm was well forecast. National media has a has this uh, tendency to, oh, it came out of nowhere. It was, no, it wasn't. It was forecast. Were you listening to it? <laughs> and so we try to get on there and we try to tell you that this stuff is going to happen. But a lot of people don't have an emergency kit in their car. And that really is such an important thing it's these vital. days. Because we have seen, and, and for instance, if something goes wrong with tomorrow morning storm, and we start to get one to two inch per hour snowfall rates, which is a possibility. And then we have, you know, people thinking it wasn't that bad. And now all of a sudden they're stuck on the roadways. Well, we don't know how long. You better have a blanket in there. You better have some water. You better have some food. It's good to have all these things. You don't know if you're going to get stranded. And that's what happened with people on 95. You got to go into these storms knowing that things can change and to be really prepared for that oversimplification of weather is dangerous. And we in a very busy life love to simplify things in order to to put them in compartments. But sometimes it's messy, sometimes it's complicated, and sometimes those details are the difference between life and death in certain situations. And one other thing is, is that people need to remember bridges really do freeze faster than roads. And the reason why is there's cold air on top of the bridge, cold air on the bottom of the bridge. And a lot of times, they're made out of concrete. Well, concrete has properties of cooling faster than asphalt. So this is why you will run into issues. There can be a, just a light drizzle. And we saw this yesterday in New York City morning commute. It was absolute nightmare with, with 0.01 inches of rain. And we had accidents all over the place and crashes because people didn't realize that this was freezing on some, some of the surfaces. You're fine. Then all of a sudden you try to break. So you got to really pay attention to road surfaces. Also important in that winter weather kit to have kitty litter because that can help your car get traction if you get stuck and your uh, your car's you know spinning you know its tires and stuff. But yeah, just a li- it impacts and the timing of things and what are you getting? Freezing drizzle can be way worse than a 16 inch snowstorm. Oh yeah, because it's an absolute nightmare. So. These are the things we got to think about when it comes to winter weather and pretty much when it comes to any weather. Steve Sosna, he he's your hookup. Give us more into how people can check out what you're doing. You do a lot of really cool weather stuff on your social media, and it's not just associated with storms, but really kind of educating people on this sort of thing. How can people right. find out more about what you're doing? Yeah, I think transparency is important. So that's why I lay it out there on social media. A lot of people don't know what we do. Okay, so Steve Sosna, NBC. Uh, and that's my Instagram handle, Facebook handle, Twitter handle. No, if, if things are changing real fast, I'm going to be on Twitter. So you join Twitter and get into the conversation because that's where you know rapid fire updates come. And be sure you can also find him, of course, on NBC10, our broadcast partner, NBC10, as well as on the NBC10 app where you can get those up-to-date weather forecasts that aren't just a big snowflake saying it's going to snow, but actually they'll, they break down that sort of stuff for you. Steve, thank you so much for joining us. For this edition of the rundown. And, and I'll talk to you this afternoon, starting at uh, 3 o'clock. This afternoon, <laughs> starting at 3 o'clock on KYW News Radio, 103.9 FM, 1060 AM, and of course on the Odyssey app, which is where you can hear the rundown. And it's a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcast. The show is produced by Sabrina Boyd Circa and Brian Seltzer. The director of podcasting for KYW News Radio is Tom Rickard. Me? 
I'm just J. Scott Smith. And you can follow me on Twitter at J. Scott Smith. That's real J. Scott Smith on Instagram and Facebook. Follow The Rundown on Twitter at The Rundown, P-H-L. Again, The Rundown, P-H-L on Twitter. You can hear us for free right here on the Odyssey app or just about wherever you get your podcast. For Steve Sosna, Sabrina Boyd-Circa, and Brian Seltzer, I'm J. Scott Smith thanking you for checking out this Thursday edition of The Rundown.